enable students now to continue discussions on students and staff working in partnership. Our two facilitators, the two co-facilitators of the panel, Meisha and Eve, will lead the discussions. And our other panelists include Fiona, Angel, Sam, and Joel. And they will tell you more about themselves as well. So take it away. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is E. Okobi, and I worked with uh, Vicki Hill on the UAL uh, Creative Mindsets Implementation in different capacities, but towards the end of the project, I was one of the facilitators on the staff and student facilitation team. Uh, before we move further, uh, we'd like to thank Charlotte uh, Bentley and Jessica Gagnon for their amazing work. It was just very incredibly well organized, and we're very, very grateful. Um, yeah, I'm Maisha Islam from the University of Winchester, um, I was on the student panel last year um, and I work at the Centre for Student Engagement at the University of Winchester. So last year Ian and I were really lucky to speak on the student panel looking at inequalities, um, specifically looking at race and class and also the intersections between those two um, and really looking at tangible um, sort of real change as to how to overcome those. Um, so we're really um, happy to co-facilitate this panel again, so thank you again so much for inviting us along. Um, but we're just going to have each participant uh, briefly introduce themselves, but also what they've been involved at within their institutions as well. Hi, I'm Joel. Um, along with E and uh, a bunch of other students, uh, we we were the student facilitators of Vicky's project, Creative Mindsets at UAL. Um, I've also been involved. Rahul is here. Um, I've been involved in the decolonizing the curriculum project that's running at UAL, which included um, an event called Decolonizing the Locale, which was kind of inside the context of the university's. Um, proposed demolition of a, of a, um, a local shopping centre, which I was going to maybe mention a bit later. Um, and yeah, also facilitating a project um, related to that called Curriculum Elephant, which was inviting different practitioners in to discuss those plans. Um, and it was a kind of model of a collaborative, politicised curriculum. Uh, I'm Sam. I'm the Volunteering and Community Officer at Winchester Student Union, so I've been campaigning across the year to get more students involved in volunteering and fundraising and to make sure that they are more aware of the opportunities that are available to them. Uh, I'm also a peer-assisted learning leader. Um, I study history. I'm in my second year, so I work with first-year historians on a weekly basis, and we sit down as a team and we come up with strategies for improving general study skills, um, and the idea is that we come out collectively with a stronger learning strategy. Um, I'm Angel. I am a former Vice President of Education and Democracy at the University of Portsmouth. Um, I'm my final year studying law with international relations, so I took a year out um, to be a SAB and then I've just come back into my final year. Uh, as Jess mentioned earlier, I've been involved in changing mindsets since I started my role. Um, and even so in this year as a research assistant, which has been great. Um, and whilst I was a SAB, I um, launched the university's BAME network to try and get staff and students um, into the same room to discuss not only issues that students face um, regarding attainment gaps, but also other issues that students, BAME students face and how we could work together um, to solve these. Um, I'm Fiona Bazzoni, I'm with the University of Brighton. Um, my colleague Catherine is here as well, as you have heard earlier. Um, I am a graduate from primary education, clearly I'm not a primary school teacher so that's kind of where my role came about as I went into a degree 
kind of thinking I knew what I wanted to do and changed my mind quite quickly within the degree but I still wanted to continue because I just enjoyed the education psychology side of it um, so I now work as a graduate intern with the student success and partnership team at the University of Brighton within our Centre for Learning and Teaching um, my main role is to kind of look after our PASS scheme which is similar to Sam's um, PAL scheme so it's peer assisted study sessions at the University of Brighton um, I was an attendee when I was an undergraduate, I was then a leader myself and now I'm helping to run the scheme and hopefully bring it forward through a lot of different courses that we think would appreciate it. So I guess we're going to get to our first question and um, the question is what examples of students and staff working in partnership have you been involved in or are you familiar with at your institution or at another institution? I understand that some of you have spoken about um, this already in your introduction but maybe you might want to go in a little bit deeper to talk about maybe challenges or benefits to that. Um, I, uh, I wanted to, to um, raise awareness of a project called Shades of Noir, which um, you will be familiar with already. I don't know how many people here will be familiar with it. Um, it's led by Aisha Richards at UAL. Um, and uh, I think it ties in quite well with what Ilias was mentioning um, in terms of uh, creating student participation with some of the projects that people are running because not only is it a brilliant network for connecting staff with students and um, external practitioners uh, but it's also a brilliant online platform um, it's kind of tentacular in that it's this kind of ever-evolving spectrum of different articles kind of tackling queerness whiteness um, yeah, it's a really brilliant resource, um, and uh, I think it's a great model for, for, for yeah, a kind of network and platform where staff and students are also contributing, um, and then it, it runs events um, as well, which, is, which kind of tackle these different themes, um, so yeah, it, it's Shades of Noir, if anyone's interested, that was... So, um, there are a variety of different programs at the University of Winchester that where students and staff come, come together as partners. Um, the one that I've mainly been involved with as a first year was something called the Student Fellows Scheme. Um, so this is where a student comes along with something they want to do and a member of staff has a shared vested interest in that. Or sometimes it might be that the staff has got a project that they want to do, but they want a student to be involved with their work. So then there's a recruitment process for the student. And the idea is that both the staff and the students involved work together on an equal basis throughout the year to come up with a solution to an issue um, which will in some way improve the student experience. So the project I was involved in was to do with digital skills and employability. So I worked with my faculty team to come up with a survey for employers about the kind of digital capabilities that they most want from graduates when they leave university. And then the staff members of the team did a similar survey, but for university lecturers and also for students. And then what we did is that we took the three different surveys to see where the different areas matched, and they are now using that to come up with a sort of digital capability strategy and promoting things like the IDEA Award um, but that's not the only way that students can work with staff at our university. We also have something called the RAP scheme, which stands um, Winchester Research Apprenticeship Scheme. I think that's what it stands for. Um, and this is where a student works with a lecturer 
um, for something that I think it's up to three months or I'm not sure the time period but they work with that lecturer um, and it's like being a research assistant but the idea is that uh, the student will work with that staff member to gain key skills um, and it, then it's helpful for their CV and it helps the staff in their research as well. Um, so whilst I was a SAB, I worked with the university in launching our curriculum framework um, strategy. So it was kind of based on originally uh, we used to do um, something called a periodic review. So we'd look at um, different types of courses and how we could review them to make them better for students. And initially when I joined the university, I was aware of it as a course rep and it's something you can get involved in as a student um, often the university would pay you and you'd work with uh, members of your department to review your courses and how they could change it um, usually every three years but with the new curriculum framework we put this on pause and looked at ways that we could overhaul the curriculum in Portsmouth in general to benefit students so rather than getting lots of different types of um, sessions happening where you were changing say one course and then you wouldn't change another for a couple of years we could look at doing that um, as a whole so with the curriculum framework it initially started from student feedback so for us as students especially those that were course reps faculty reps and on our union council it was quite important so that they could see how um, they were making an impact directly to not only their own course and not only say a society or a sports club but rather the whole university so we had quite a lot of issues come through about not having um, consolidation weeks so quite a lot of institutions have um, consolidation weeks say midway through a term just to allow students to catch up but also gain feedback um, in a formative style um, and what we found that was students weren't getting this and some students say on other courses so if law didn't have consolidation week geography would have a consolidation week which meant that some students were benefiting from a week off let's say of studying whereas others weren't so um, with the new curriculum framework we um, consulted students we had course reps come in and kind of give feedback on what they would like to see out of their academic year um, and instead implemented that as of last September students would get a consolidation week in their first term and then a consolidation week in their second term so I think what for especially us as sabbatical officers um, was quite hard was ensuring that whilst we were sitting on these working groups we weren't just doing all the work and then students were saying that it was a student staff partnership because as most people know most institutions do that and it's not great so um, instead what we did is we made sure that when we sat on these working groups we'd feed them back to our course reps we'd feed them back to our faculty reps but also on courses they were being made that one of the points of their checklist was to ensure that they had um, reviewed it with students on the actual courses because often if not you'll just get the really highly engaged students making changes like for the benefit of everyone else so um, that was quite successful and they are um, officially implementing it as of September this year with the academic year um, fully in cycle this current year which has been really good um, and hopefully I'll say, talk about it later but hopefully um, it has got a bit of like kind of long-term stability in terms of getting students still involved because I know that what often happens is then it takes on as a staff project and students therefore lose their um, chance to respond and make changes throughout. Um, I think one of the examples I can think of from the University of Brighton is part of the Student Success and Partnership team. We also run um, ASK, which is our academic study kit. Um, obviously, lots of universities have their own version of this. Um, ours started as a quite generic study kit. Um, it was offering things like exam tips um, through the website, maybe some um, sessions we would go out and do study skills and tips to students. 
um, until uh, quite recently um, within the team and our, our colleague Joel started kind of speaking to each school and made a school specific ask area so rather than offering generic study tips to everybody saying okay in your school what is it that you feel you need extra support in, in terms of your academic study so we now have the um, 11 and 12 school areas which offer different things per school so if you were to go into the nursing area and health sciences they're going to offer tips on um, OSCEs and placements whereas going into their history and humanities area it's going to be very different it might be more focused on those exams and essay building um, and this meant that we uh, mainly with um, Joel having to go to a lot of the different staff members and saying to them okay what actually happens in the courses in your school what comes up what are the pinch points of the year what are the different things that are going on that you think would require help like where where do you think students want the support and as well as that then going to the students and saying okay maybe in your first year in your second year what was it you can reflect on maybe looking ahead to your third year what are things that you would like to see and by using that it meant that we were not just following the staff view and saying oh what do you think they want because the second we spoke to the students they had a completely different view of what they wanted and you need to we need to hit both sides we need to make sure that everyone had everything covered rather than just picking students or staff to talk to. Checking both meant that we could reach all the different areas and make sure that everyone felt supported and it was specialised to them rather than very generic where they went in and thought, there's nothing about placements on here, that's not helpful, that's what I'm worried about. So I think that's probably one of our best areas where we got to access both students and staff and work together. Thank you. Um, so just moving uh, the question along, obviously the topic is what should working in partnership look like in practice, but we were interested as to how inclusive do you think these programmes that you've mentioned are in representing diversity within your universities? Um, anyone can start. I think if I lead directly on Go from on. what I was just saying, <laughs> um, as well as ask, we offer I ask, um, which has been really helpful um, is the international academic study kit so we've specialised even further to those students so maybe they can go into their own school area and say oh I'm, I'm, I'm doing nursing I'm a health science student so I'll go into there but there's also the extra area they can go into to feel like they have that kind of extra bit of information where it, it can be about just breaking down what the question is asking you about travel about anything to do with um, getting around in, in study when it's not your own country. So I think that definitely helped us to break down a few barriers of you've got this study help but then you've got the extra bit of study help as well. Um, and also things like mature students, you've got specific links and areas for mature students especially in not being in education for a long time that can be quite daunting to come back and having that extra bit where it's oh I, I can see something is actually for me. It's not generic, it's specialised, they've, they've acknowledged that I might have this and, and it can be really helpful. Um, so in terms of um, Portsmouth and especially the curriculum framework but also all the other projects kind of come off of it in terms of like peer assisted learning, um, I know that one thing that's quite good is that in terms of getting feedback from students to run these um, student staff partnership 
projects we go not only out to students that we have kind of direct access to um, and also don't kind of recruit through focus groups but look at the areas that we're looking specifically to target so if we're looking to target mature students um, we'll go to our mature student group societies and kind of make sure that we bring their feedback in I know that um, Ilias mentioned about student unions and how important it is to tap into the societies but even making sure that you've created links with um, full-time members of staff that manage these groups is really important because actually when it comes to trying to recruit students for feedback and trying to make sure that you've actually made it inclusive often students and student unions will have all of these this pool of kind of students that want to give feedback but they don't know where the facilities are to do so and so often universities will say okay well this course rep is super engaged and fair enough if they are on that one specific course but then it means that you're not actually getting a wide range of opinions so that's actually really important um, and also I think um, one of the things that kind of came off this question was about um, burdening staff or students and who gets the biggest burden out of this and I think that especially in regards to the curriculum framework it was quite unfortunate that the timing and also the amount of resource that was needed meant that staff were the ones that primarily had to lead the project and make the change and I think that um, something that we probably need to reflect on at the University of Portsmouth and other institutions need to do so if they're going to um, implement the same thing is like where can students start gaining a bit of responsibility in these things because often students will go oh we didn't know that was happening and they say well you it was an academic year or it happened between May and like September and students weren't there and it's about thinking students are free in the summer and they do want to make changes and make um, give opinions that could actually influence their courses and it's like later on I know we'll probably talk about it but paying for their time making sure that meetings are in times that when students can do because often people go well I'll work in days nine to five if students can't do that then okay that's fine but we'll just won't take their opinions or the super engaged ones will try and cram in that half an hour hour when they can fit it in and it means that those that maybe have caring responsibilities or have jobs alongside their degree don't actually get the opportunity to give feedback which is actually really crucial to development of these schemes so yeah um <coughs> Like with Angel, I think this question kind of comes in two parts. So I'll start with the part about representing diversity. Um, with the Student Fellows Scheme, the whole point of the projects is to improve the student experience. So in many, many cases, um, that benefit will be for all students, regardless of what faculty they're in, what subject they study, um, what their race or sexual orientation is, or what their background is. Um, so my project, even though it was based within one faculty, there was always a very kind of open intention that eventually um, the outcomes of that project would then be um, disseminated, if you like, amongst the other three faculties in our university. Um, you also get some projects which are targeted to specific groups. So, for example, at the moment there is a student fellows project that focuses on mature and part-time students and how their student experience can be benefited more uh, by things the university can directly do. Um, there's a project with our introvert society about uh, quiet spaces and how we can provide more of them on campus. And um, in terms of the student union, there are various different societies that represent different demographic groups. So we've got a spectrum society that represents LGBTQ+. We've got a feminism society. We've just set up an Islamic society. Um, and we also, from September, we're going to be introducing demographic demographic representatives on our student senate so there will be an elected person to represent disabled students and commuting students and international students and the list goes on um, 
And then there are other things within the university um, that represent diversity within student partnerships. Um, so we've got an Equality and Diversity Forum, which is open to staff and students. Uh, we've also got a human library, which is organised by a member of staff, uh, but students are very much invited to come along and share um, their own experiences. And what happens is, is you get different people um, from different backgrounds, and the idea is that it breaks stereotypes. Um, we do them about every six months, and we tend to get quite a good attendance at that. Um, the second part of the question was about students or staff being overburdened with labour. Um, in terms of trying to get that change delivered. And I think, to be honest with you, it varies depending on what project you're looking at. With student fellows, you get somewhere it's very much delivered by the members of staff in terms of their own uh, projects that they're working on, and the students kind of fit within their kind of grand master plan of what they're doing. But then you also get some projects which are very much inspired by the desires of students. One of the projects we had a few years ago was to set up a commuter's lounge and that was led by a female student who was a commuter and who saw the benefits of that not just for her but for her fellow students so she said let's put this on, let's make this happen. Um, she worked with a member of staff on it and now we have a commuter's lounge in Winchester uh, and it benefits many many different students. Um, and there are other initiatives where even though there is that staff guidance it's very much the students driving the change Peer-assisted learning is an example of that because it's the students meeting with younger students on a weekly basis and even though the PAL leader is given training to work with the younger students, it's very much, we're there on an equal basis, we're not there to dominate or to tell the other students what to do, we're there to work on an equal basis so that both of us benefit. Um, and obviously in terms of the integration for making change that is sustainable. Um, I think it is important that students don't become overburdened because obviously they've got to manage it alongside their degree. But I think it's absolutely right that students should be given the tools and the power to directly drive change themselves. Um, not without staff necessarily. I think that having that staff integration is really important for sustainability. But giving students the keys to the car is a good thing because um, if you give them the chance, they can probably drive for miles. Um, I think I think students are always going to feel burdened if they're not getting something out of it. Like uh, it seems to be a kind of drawing point for the day that if students aren't being paid or if they're not getting a, a traineeship out of out of their kind of consultation with a given project, then they're going to feel burdened. Um, as well as the fact that they are the subjects of of the attainment gap. So they're going to, you know, unless the kind of, unless their participation within the project is, is kind of um, situated within their own trajectory, then they're going to feel burdened kind of twice over. Um, uh, I think, I think what's also important, the, the project that I mentioned, I'm not involved in, I should say, Chaise de Noir, um, but I think it's inclusive and, and diverse in terms of who its contributors are. Um, but what it's focused on as well, um, I think uh, its diversity and its openness in terms of the themes it's looking at makes it a sustainable project um, because people can kind of, uh, like how student unions work, people can come and go, they can contribute, they can do their time and then they can move, you know, move on once they've graduated or whatever. Shades of Noir um, is this long-term project that's been running for a long time and 
and because it's fueled by different people um, as this online platform, it's sustainable in itself. Um, and then it works as this kind of model for a, a kind of sustainable research curriculum and kind of collaborative thing. Um, uh, I think it's I think it's also important that um, students and staff uh, are collaborating um, in a way that um, kind of broadens the context of, of, of the conversation. I think because sometimes if you're having a, I know that projects a lot of the time in order to get funding they have to kind of be tackling specific areas um, and have a kind of very specific plan um, but I think that if uh, the conversation is too situated within um, things that are happening at, at the university and not kind of broadening the, the conversation and looking at um, systemic issues um, within higher education as a whole but also within um, the kind of um, political sphere that we are inhabiting um, you know the kind of external political factors then the conversation becomes very intense and students feel kind of burdened with that as well you know if, if you're only talking about situations happening inside the university and you're not contextualizing those situations um, yeah I'd be really interested to if anyone on the panel has felt overburdened. I know Jess and I have spoken about um, BAME academics who feel overburdened with um, the emotional support that they give BAME students within their own workload and often that's not recognised or represented or taken into account. Um, so again, that's another thing that BAME academics have to face. Um, I don't know if any of you have felt overburdened because sometimes in, in Winchester there aren't that many Muslim uh, you know, academics students there I'm definitely I feel, sometimes it feels like you're the go-to Muslim person and I'm super passionate about um, speaking about it but I don't know do, does, does anybody feel like it's an overburden on their particular passion I'd say so I think that especially not so much before um, I took a placement yet but especially once I did my placement year and I've come back like, like often members of staff that know that I worked in the union, they'll message me and be like, oh, um, do you know what's going on with this BAME initiative? Like, do you know what's happening with this person? Or, oh, we're looking to make sure that we, I don't know, include more BAME students in this questionnaire. And it's like, I, I don't know them all. Like, But they obviously <laughs> just make a presumption that, I don't know, you've like done something like that in the past. And it's quite hard, especially perhaps maybe as a student that like, I'm looking for jobs, I'm looking for things once I graduate to say no to things. I think sometimes I'm like, oh, I'll just, I guess I'll just take like, I don't know, 20 minutes of my time to meet this person and then they reference you to this person and they're like, do this. And by the time you've taken all these things on, you're thinking like Ella and I were talking earlier about like dissertations and stuff. And it's like all these things I've got to do for my degree. And then it's really funny because we sit here and we talk about, um, the attainment gap and you think no wonder because all these students are being asked to do these things because they're a minority or I don't know we're creating this diversity and then they're like oh also do your degree like if someone could please do my degree for me <laughs> and then I'll help you out with the other things but it is true I, honestly like I think that's the hardest part wanting to be willing and also wanting to offer people that you know but not wanting to burden them with what's to come because obviously if I'd known two years ago all this was going to add on top do you know what I mean it'd be quite hard and I think it's nice to give like to give opinions and to give feedback but where where does the line stop so I guess yeah um 
I'm going to do the follow-on question, but I do think this is an important um, thing for maybe all of us in the room to think about. I think it was really, really important for Ilya to mention compensation. I think that's so important, and that's definitely something in the projects that I've tried to start. Um, I, I was lucky enough with the Teaching and Learning Exchange in that they supported me for a project that I did, and I really insisted on compensation for the participants who were part of that process. And I was happy that I was able to get compensation, because I do think without compensation you are never going to reach beyond a certain pool of students because part of the attainment gap what you're dealing with is um, overburdened students if you're working with highly educated i mean highly engaged students in education um, you are going to first of all get the go-getters um, but you also have to remember they come with a story so even if they're go-getters, even if they're engaged, even if they're very competitive and they want to do well in their studies, do we want to be the straw that breaks the cam camel's back? Or do we want to support them in that process so that they're able to um, really succeed at the levels that they came into uni to succeed? Um, but I'm going to move to the fourth question, which is what does authentic partnership mean to you? And um, that's another part of that is what should students and staff working in partnership look like in practice and what work should or could be done to mitigate or navigate power differentials between staff and students in order to create equal partnerships. I think we, I think we need to look um, increasingly at, at the relationships that universities have with their local environment. Um, it, it was a kind of, it was what the, the project I mentioned earlier, the decolonizing the locale, um, in London particularly, universities are becoming um, susceptible to co-option by property development companies and investment corporations. Um, they're kind of redeveloping valued cultural spaces, they're demolishing social housing, um, as well as kind of university students being caught up in this, in like rising house prices, and they're kind of... Uh, uh, they're kind of driving rising house prices, but at the same time they're being affected by that. Um, and then that also, in in pockets of cities, creates a kind of social segregation between existing residents and the student population, which is, um, you know, there are certain places that are catering for students, um, and lots of local residents feel kind of um, marginalised from their own um, homes. Uh, and I think a kind of a key thing for student and staff collaboration is is focusing on how the university <coughs> relates to that to that local environment. Um, as as Jessica mentioned earlier, um, you know you can't talk about diversity without talking about racism. But at the same time, you can't really talk about racism without talking about the university's relationship to uh, the deprived areas that are in close proximity to it like um, Ilias was you know talking about I had the same thing growing up in London um, and you know I would cycle to uni and it was just this vast vastly different social space um, and I, I think uh, once you start to look at external factors that are um, that are driving some of the internal problems at universities then you're creating a, a a kind of properly intersectional analysis of some of these issues. Um, at the same time, in our creative mindsets workshops, a lot of the things that we, um, a lot of the conversations we had with students were students who were feeling 
caught in a crossroads because they were from these areas that were being um, like raised from the ground um, and you know then they travel to uni every day um, and it's and it's complicated because you are you're aware that you're the subject or, or that your your peers that um, people from your background that have, have gone before you you're the subject of um, attainment differentials but you also know that you're suffering in other ways outside of the university and in lots of cases um, in London especially um, you are your university is participating in the demolition of your local environment um, and so I think what's interesting in in situating um, kind of attainment gap projects in decolonization is is thinking about um, other areas of coloniality within the university like um, like their kind of um, foreign policy so to speak how they relate to um, their local environment yeah so I think uh, and this has been mentioned uh, a lot this idea of systemic um, what does it mean to rethink the academy within a larger system right so we're all uh, the academy is part of a system and in some ways maybe it perpetuates a system and in some cases it probably has a history of, of training um, the leaders of the system who have helped build these systemic inequalities and it's and it's hard to you know projects can only do so much that you can't necessarily um, you can't it's it's you're you're going to be overburdened with labor in new ways if you're trying to create kind of alternative grassroots um, movements to gentrification um, but you can interrogate the university's policies I think and um, that's a kind of key thing I, I think for student staff collaboration is, um, in a way that's where you are navigating these um, this kind of power dif difference between students and staff is if you're looking elsewhere and you're contextualizing from elsewhere you're um, creating a kind of but you're kind of standing in solidarity almost when you're interrogating those policies. But I guess for the other panel, uh, panel, I want us to really think clearly about who goes to the university right now. You know, how are we going to be able to get these authentic partnerships if you have a student from Taiwan who comes to that school for a very specific reason and probably is not as interested in getting involved politically. Or you have a first generation student whose parents are immigrants and may see systemic inequality in a different way than possibly their child does and that child is sort of caught in the cultural crossfire, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? I think um, going back to the importance of a union, like I know that when um, we are working on kind of bringing up, so the um, University of Ports of Student Union has just done kind of a bit of a future gazing project and finished doing uh, Project 25 about what they're going to look like in 2025 and instead they're doing the future union. So now what, what do they mean to students now? What will they mean to students in three years? And to ensure that they just keep up to date with things that students care about. And one thing that came up was they um, had their tagline of being there for every Portsmouth student. And they were like, but some students don't care about the union. Some students won't ever need the union. And what does that mean to be there for every course of student? Because when we were talking to students that especially came from international um, countries, they were coming over and they were saying, well, we, we don't know what a student union is. And some, some aren't bothered, but also some found that 
the, the idea of a union is just, it just doesn't really work um, where they're from. And I think that talking to those students and working out that we don't need to be there directly with them. Like we don't need to be holding our hands and saying, let's go to a society or like join a sports club. But actually, okay, you're having academic issues and you don't want to come and approach us about it, but we're going to like campaign for you. We're going to champion you through your education. And I think that that's also part of a partnership. Like we are there to support them as they go through education, but also they're there to not need to necessarily ask, but we should just be aware that these things may kind of impact them. So I think that's really important. But also I know that um, one thing I always say is when I did this, like started the change in mindset stuff, I always like told my friends about it. I told my housemates about it. And for some of them, they were like, I don't know what that is. And they weren't bothered. It wasn't anything to do with them. But um, one day I was out with my friends and we were all sitting at our union bar and just chatting away. And one of the boys that I know that did American football, he comes over and he's just talking. And I just start joking about like what we're doing for the evening. And he's just so interested in his, like his face lit up. And Jason um, ended up being on our student panel in June. And for me, like, that's like a really big sign of something that actually you might think students don't care. Like to me, Jason was someone that I'd started university with. He wasn't really that bothered. Like we'd kind of like known each other in more of a social context, but I like he wasn't really like someone that I think would be necessarily interested. But I think as like as a student, I do it to fellow students. So I can only imagine what staff do where they're like, oh, they must not be interested. It's not anything to do with them. And he was so, so keen. And so maybe for us, partnership is about looking outside the box, thinking, let's try and pick up on those students we don't think care, but actually do. Like, what about those students that come in and they've got, I have students, students coming to my lectures with children. The, like, bless them. Just, like, school finishes at three. We've got a five to a six, but they've got to come in with their kid. Like, what about just having a bit of engagement with those students and thinking like, how can we help you better or what can we support because often universities go oh here we go like here's a crash or here like you can bring your student no you can bring your child to this one event that we're going to hold once a year to do with um student parents and actually if we stop thinking about that and start thinking about what they might need partnerships don't need to be create, like created necessarily from like peer assisted learning or all these various types of projects we're thinking but what do the students want and can they run it themselves and how can we be there to support them because they're they've only got three years of their life often at these institutions and it might be a short like lifespan for them but these might make really big um create really big opportunities for them in the future so yeah yeah um, I guess following on from that, um, at Winchester Student Union, we place a very big emphasis on making sure that it's the students themselves that decide our priorities as opposed to the elected officers who are only there for a year or two years. Uh, we've actually just changed our tagline to student-led, student-delivered and students-empowered. Um, the idea being that we go directly to them and we ask them what they want from us. Then we have to listen to that actively and work with them, not on our own, but with them, to find a solution. And by finding that solution together, um, it means that we have empowered students because we have enabled their voice to be heard, and not just represented, but actually making sure that that representation leads to something happening. And that's the key, because there's no point just going into a forum and asking them what they want if you have no intention of following it up. Um, if you are actually going to open the discussion up, um, it's like I tried to set up a forum for volunteering and community this year and one of the things that came up very early on was is that they wanted to have an awards event so they could raise awareness of volunteers and fundraisers in our area um, and I said yeah sure let's do it um, 
But I didn't do it on my own. I listened to the people in the forum. I listened to their ideas for how the awards event could work. And then, using that collaborative approach, we've made it happen. And it's scheduled for Friday. And we'll see how it goes. But the point I'm trying to get across is, is that it's about listening to students and then carrying them along across the entire journey as opposed to just saying, okay, well, we'll take it under advisement and then we'll, we'll let you know in six months, that, that kind of thing. You've got to keep them, keep them with you and keep them engaged throughout the whole process. Um, I think leading back to authentic partnership, um, the opposite kind of being tokenistic, it's, it's going because I want to tick the box, I just, I just need to get this done. And, um, I think we've all mentioned and mentioned before about um, incentivisation and it's incredibly important for students to be able to take the opportunity. I think it's not it's not a prize for saying, oh look, you've come along, here you go. It's, it's saying, you could have been at maybe your part-time job, but I'm asking you to be here to help make a change and we're giving something back to you so that you know that you are cared about and that you are important to this situation and we want you there as students. Um, and I think it's it sometimes does go the wrong way sometimes it does end up being the students there for the money they're there for the amazon voucher and occasionally that might happen and it's quite quick to discover when that happens and then they don't tend to turn up again for any more meetings if it's a longer scheme but the same can be said about staff maybe they're just trying to improve their nss scores maybe they want to tick that box to say oh i've done it i can tell everyone about all this partnership i'm doing look how wonderful it is when it's not continued and it's not for the right reasons and the students can tell when they're there and it's not for the right reason it's, it's a different environment completely and I think it's not authentic in that situation but by having staff who genuinely want this scheme want this project want this idea to work students who go they're incentivized to be there and they think Do you know what I, I want to make a change I want to be involved in this and one of our examples is is our past scheme and um, like pal it's that's when we have staff who think, oh, we've got a really bad problem with our retention, we've got this going on, let's just stick a plaster on it, let's give them pass, let's give them study skills, and that'll fix it all, without really engaging in it and understanding it and promoting it and recruiting the students who want to be involved and not putting in the extra effort to do that by just saying, here you go, it's offered, and not allowing it to flourish with, with their help. And I think that's where... The, the partnership falls apart because they're saying to students we're offering this to you but they're not following through and offering what they're promising and especially when it does flourish when when it does work when the staff member is really actively engaged in it and we've got such good examples of, of our staff members who are really engaged in schemes like study skills and, and pass and mentoring where they're fully involved in it and you can tell how positive they are and they get really positive results because they recruit the right students to help facilitate the sessions. They are promoting it, they're getting the students themselves to then get involved and say to the first years, hey, here's all this stuff we've got going on. And by working together, they're, they're kind of passing on that positivity and they can really tell. The second you can see, oh, my lecturer is really positive about this, you can see how enthusiastic they are, it just instills that little bit inside you where you want to then give it on to more students. I think that's one thing where as long as it's not instrumental, as long as it's I'm here for the right reasons, both for staff and students, that positivity will just continue to grow. And sometimes, yeah, it might not be great. There might not be much engagement. Some weeks you might run a session and no one turns up, but maybe they didn't need help that week. 
maybe in four weeks time they do need help and it's just knowing that we're offering support we want to be supported but you don't need it all the time if it's there for the right reasons and it's there consistently when and where you need it it will be available and staff I think it, it needs to make it clearer that it's not just a one-off you offer it in January because you know there's an exam coming up and it will fix everything it's offer it throughout the year so that as and when students feel they need the support it is there so I guess what we're hearing from the panel is a sustained commitment mm -hmm. that also empowers students and staff and also supports and recognizes any extra um, contribution or time that they're putting into the effort I think is the best way to make sure that this change stays and continues and grows and is able to sort of gain um, institutional knowledge. And again going to Angel's point about not you know the usual suspects that we call them in, in engagement practices and these sort of programs she was talking about um, was it um, Jason? Jason, yeah. Jason that was, um, again, not the you know usual suspect of these of being involved in these types of things. So yeah. really, you know, advertising widely, and it was just through an informal conversation yeah. that these things can come out informally as, as well as formally. Yeah. Um, but I think we've come to the end of our of our panel. So thank you again so much, Fiona, Angel, Sam, and Joel. Uh, maybe a round of applause for our panel. <laughs>